Joining us now is Maestro Hanu Lintu, who will be conducting the Detroit Symphony Orchestra and concerts in Orchestra Hall this weekend. Uh, he's almost on the verge of wrapping up his North American tour, which has been going on since uh, last fall. And and what a an itinerary you've had uh, in Dallas first, and then up to Ottawa for the National Arts Center Orchestra and uh, Naples, Florida. Kennedy Center, some uh, nice halls there. And now in Detroit, and then you'll be headed to uh, St. Louis. That's true. One interesting thing I noticed about these uh, stops on your tour, Mm. two of them are for the DSO, the Dallas Symphony Orchestra and the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. There are lots of DSOs in the world. There are a lot of DSOs in in Berlin. There's another one here. There's a Dearborn Symphony Orchestra. But but in in, in any event, the the two that I'm curious about, the Dallas and the Detroit, coincidentally, both have a situation where uh, they have a vacancy at the music director position. As in Dallas, uh, Jaap van Zweden is going to New York. And uh, Maestro Slatkin is stepping down. Are you are you looking maybe to relocate? I have an orchestra. I have a wonderful orchestra in Helsinki, Finland, the Finnish Radio Symphony Orchestra, which takes from sixteen to eighteen weeks um, in, in in the season. Um, and knowing that uh, being a music director in this country requires lots of time. I mean, not only the weeks you are conducting, but but also you have to. You have to um, talk to the donors. You have to do community work. I mean, you, you have to really be part of the of the musical life of the of the, of the community. Um, I, I I just wonder if I have any time for that. So I'm not. I'm. I don't consider being a candidate anywhere. I mean, not not in Dallas, not here, or nor anywhere else in in Northern America at the moment. At the moment, okay. So we've cleared that up for everybody who's wondering. <laughs> Uh, the you started out playing the piano and the cello. True. At at what point did it occur to you that I could conduct an orchestra? Well, I suppose it started when. Um, well, first of all, it was an accident that I started to play cello, or, or not an accident, but you know, I, I played piano. I started when I was four, and when I was eight, uh, we got a phone call from the music school of my of my city, a very small town on, on the western coast of Finland, um, saying that there are no cellists uh, in, in the music school. And, and they have noticed that I can read music and I'm, I'm sort of obviously musical, so maybe I could start cello as well. And, right. of course, nobody asked me, so they asked my mother. <laughs> and she said, yes, of course he will start. And and, uh, and I'm glad about that because, I mean, of course, the, the, the problem was that it it divided my resources. I mean I, I, I mean, I was still trying to learn piano and then suddenly I had another instrument. But it meant that I could immediately play in, in, um, in orchestras, in good youth orchestras, and, and play with you know, pretty good conductors. So uh, when I was 10, I already knew what conductors did. And what happened when I was 10, there, there, was, there, there was a very specific moment uh, when my parents took me to the Savonlinna Opera Festival, which is, which is one of the biggest opera festivals in Europe. It's in Finland eastern part of Finland and um, actually that was the first opera I ever heard because I'm, I'm from a town where there, there was no opera house and it was Don Carlos by Verdi mm. conducted by famous Finnish conductor Leif Segerstam and yeah. I remember sitting there 
uh, watching Leif conducting there. I have no idea what happened in the opera. I have, I have no idea who sang and you know and, and what what was the plot of the of the opera. But <laughs> but I could I just watched Leif because I already I had already seen conductors. I knew what conductors did, and I noticed immediately that this guy there is doing something remarkable. I mean, this I mean, this doesn't go anywhere without him, and, and he is shaping this, and he is controlling everything. And it was a magnificent feeling. I mean, I, I, I realized what good conductors can do. But, I, but wouldn't you have seen conductors controlling in an orchestral setting as well? Would, there was something different about the opera? Well, of course, it, I mean, opera is, uh, opera is more different. I mean, there are singers. Singers are always problematic. You know, you never know what they do. There's, there's a huge choir. Uh, the distances are big. Um, mm. The orchestra is in the pit. You have to do lots of balance. Um, and, and you know, things happen in the opera performance. I haven't, I have never done an opera performance, you know, which has gone through without any disasters or yeah. catastrophes. So, so you always have to be there for the singers and, and for, for, for the orchestra. It's really challenging, but, but it's, it's very rewarding as well. That's very interesting because uh, I can see how if you're doing, especially a, a well-known war horse like a, a Beethoven symphony, for example, mm. You could almost just go on autopilot, and, and it's conceivable the orchestra would just would just play it. But well, you have to create an atmosphere in which uh, orchestra starts to pay attention to you. I mean, if if they, I mean, if orchestras realize that uh, the conductor has something to say, mm. they are willing to to do things differently this time. But of course, they have the autopilot. I mean, that's that's how they survive. I mean, if they if they get a conductor who doesn't have any ideas or who maybe you know has a little bit you know unclear technique, the orchestras usually survive in the in the standard repertoire. But I would say that most orchestras in the world, and actually the better the orchestra is, the more they are willing to um, play things differently this time. You know, find new angles to um, pieces they already have played hundreds and hundreds of times. The programs that you're, you'll be conducting this week are uh, Thursday, Friday, and th- Saturday, Thursday night at 7.30, Friday morning at 10.45, which will be uh, also broadcast here on WRCJ, and then uh, Saturday night at 8. Did I get those times right? I think, anyway. Uh, I don't know. In, in the, let me, I'm double-checking. Yes, it's 8 o'clock on Saturday, 7.30 on Thursday, 10.45 in the morning on Friday in Orchestra Hall. Uh, there are just two pieces on the program. No, there are three. Forgive me. Uh, you begin with uh, Printemps, Spring, mm-hmm. by Debussy. Uh, Shostakovich's Violin Concerto Number 1 with uh, Ray Chen on violin. He's pretty good. He's great. He's brilliant. And uh, Schumann's Symphony Number no. One, the Spring Symphony. So you you got to make Spring come to Detroit. I obviously have to because because I, I just told the orchestra this morning that it seemed that the um, uh, the weather and the music don't meet at the moment. And they, I mean, it's uh, the, the, but but maybe we can you know create with this music we can bring Spring to people's hearts. I don't know. Yeah, it could happen. Yeah, you you, you could accelerate the process. Mm. If you're interested in in getting tickets, uh, go to dso.org, dso.org, in Orchestra Hall. Uh, And uh, forgive me for a a very self-serving question, I guess, uh, but I'm I'm a homer when it comes to the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. I love this orchestra. I love this hall. And you've played all over the world 
uh, I'm not going to ask you to rate the orchestra because that's not fair. But the we're rather proud of Orchestra Hall. Did uh, how do you like it? It's uh, it has a very transparent sound, which at the moment uh, I mean, this is, but when when I, I'm I'm also going to say something about the orchestra because orchestra is in great shape because now now they really can. I have a feeling that they are using the acoustics of the of the of the hall in a in in a way which which really makes them play better. I mean now they are discussing with their hall and 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 the sound is transparent but it's warm at the same time. And from the conductor's point of view it's it's great that that um I mean what what I've been listening in the auditorium proves me that uh, what conductor hears on the podium is exactly the same balance that the people here in the hall, and that's rare. Mm. So conductor can trust the podium, and and it's 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 really really easy to to do things, uh, you know, um, do different colors, different sounds, different balances, um, because you know that whatever you do, um, people will hear it, and uh, there are not that many halls. That, like that in the in the world, so um, I think you should be really proud of your home. Yeah, I, we we are, and it, I, we just love hearing international artists come in and and praise our hall and our orchestra, for that matter. Uh, the program that you'll be playing has three. I was going to say very different composers, but are they Debussy, Shostakovich, and Schumann? Different eras, uh, different styles. Is there a common thread among them? I don't think so. No, I mean, no. I, I, um, I think it's it's built around the spring team. Um, otherwise, you know, Shostakovich is a composer. I sometimes find difficult to program Shostakovich. I mean, it's it's sometimes difficult to find composers which discuss with Shostakovich. Mozart is one of them. Um, contemporary composers are uh, some other Russians, maybe Tchaikovsky is one of them. Uh, Schumann and Shostakovich, well, they're both shh, shh <laughs> but, but that's not a team. Uh, yeah. But um, let's see, because um, the first violin concerto, it's, um, it's Shostakovich, but it's also very romantic work. It's, it's, it's very emotional. Um, you know, both slow movements are, are incredibly romantic in a Russian way, and, uh, and you know, he, he was um, you know he was in the middle of the Second World War. He, he was he was um, he, he he wasn't happy, and Schumann was not happy. So I think there is there is mm. there is something something you can you can probably find uh, similarities in in the way how um, composers express their unhappiness in music. Yeah, or get it worked out of their system. Yes. Um, my guest is Hanu Lintu. He'll be conducting the Detroit Symphony Orchestra this weekend. And again, I, I urge you to go to dso.org and get yourself some tickets uh, for what will be another fine concert. Schumann's Spring Symphony, I think, is safe to say of of his several symphonies, is probably his most popular. And Depends on the country. I mean, some countries, especially in, in, in Central Europe, it seems that it's the third, the ah. Rhenish. Um, ah. But then, then in some other countries, it's, it's, it's one. Uh, of, of course, fourth. I mean, it's the, the um, second is the least popular. But um, 
But yes, I mean, uh, the first is, uh, it's an incredible composition because because he is uh, basically using the same theme and, uh, everywhere. It's, uh, it's uh, in, the, in, the, in the first moment, just one motive and, and just that the one motive, that, 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 that just becomes one huge uh, movement. And it it's it's a rhythm and and the way to compose which uh, it 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 tells us that that there 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 can be you know lots lots of joy in symphonic music as well. I mean he and then in the second moment we hear that the composer is not happy and that he's very melancholic, but at the same time you know unhappy and melancholic composers are uh, capable of composing happy music and and uh, yeah. and uh, I, I really think that the, that the first moment and the last moment of the first symphony of Schumann they are they are they're the happiest music he, he ever composed and you can hear it in orchestra hall with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra conducted by my guest Hanu Lintu uh, before we let you go I came across a mention of your um, your home in Helsinki ah uh-huh. And that uh, you and your your partner Pekka Matilla, is that right? Yes. Uh, found what sounds like a, a former former industrial location in a courtyard that I'm told was originally for coal and horses, and you've transformed it into a. Something really quite nice. Uh, we we actually didn't transform it. It was transformed already after the Second World War, um, because the, the building is from eighteen eighteen eighties. But it, it was a coal house and it it was um, it was a kitchen because those days um, uh, in Helsinki they didn't uh, they didn't build um, kitchens in apartments because there was the possible of of fire. So uh-huh. there was there was a kitchen in the in the middle of the of the courtyard. And a stable and a coal house, and this. So this is one of those houses. And, and later, after the Second World War, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was made um, uh, an apartment. And now it's a. And later, uh, they put those. Uh, they they made it a, a, a larger um, apartment, a larger house in in three stores. And it's it's a wonderful place to be because it's in the middle of the city. But it's entirely quiet because it's inside the block, so I can bang my piano when, whenever I want in the middle of the night or, or early in the morning, uh. and I can wa- I can walk to uh, to Musikkitala, which is which is my hall where my orchestra plays. It takes ten minutes to walk there, so I'm in a, I'm in a very rare position. I mean that I can I mean, not very many conductors can um, go to work from their own home. I mean usually we just travel and go to work from. From a hotel room, which is an entirely different thing, yeah. um, and uh, Helsinki is a great place to be. I mean, it's it's a big city enough, so that so that it really feels like a um, like a capital of a of a country. But at the same time, it's very small. You can find you know where the things are, and uh, and also from the language point of view, it's very important to for me to live there because. You don't hear Finnish language anywhere else, and I need to hear that language. I need to. I need to use that language. So um, yes, we are very happy with with that with that house and with Helsinki and you know everything which Helsinki can provide us. How much time do you get to spend there? Given, I mean, your schedule is the typical schedule of the successful international conductor. I mean, you're all over the place. Yeah. Well, um, as I said, I have 16 weeks with my own orchestra. Um, plus, but of course, when when I have a free week, I I do have some free weeks. You know, maybe maybe four um, in a in a year in a season. 
Um, though, and those weeks I spend at home with with my dog, and you know, I, I have I have long walks with the dog. We have a we have a rescue dog from Saint Petersburg, and huh. um, and who, who needs lots lots of exercise, and and so I get lots of exercise as well. So so whenever whenever I have free, I I want to be in Helsinki, you know, because because um, that dog makes me you know move. And, you know, and and run and you know I'm I'm in a better shape after we got the dog. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that. Yeah. Uh, my guest is Hanu Lintu. He will be conducting the Detroit Symphony Orchestra Thursday night in Orchestra Hall at seven thirty, and then Friday morning at ten forty-five, Saturday night at eight o'clock. <clears throat> Check it out at dso.org. And Maestro, thank you for for coming. My pleasure. And, and taking some time to talk to us.